to stand behind this pulpit, and I mean that. No other place I'd rather be than right here at home tonight. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to turn with us to the book of Luke, chapter number 10. I'm going to read verses 30 through 35 tonight. Just share with you for a few moments on what the Lord has laid on my heart for this service. And I want you to stay in a spirit of worship. And then whatever you need, I believe that my God can do it tonight. Amen. The old song says, my God is greater than the need. He's bigger than the problem. No matter how bad it seems, I know my God can solve it. Amen. That is my prayer that he does it tonight. Luke chapter 10, verse number 30. This is where we'll read. And it reads as this, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host as that unto him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. I want to preach with the Lord. Uh, help us for a few minutes on this thought. The Good Samaritans, great example. The Good Samaritans, great example, if you will. Lift up your hands to the Lord and ask God to help us and anoint us tonight. Father, we love you. We are so thankful. For the privilege once again that we have to come and to be in your house and your presence. And Father, the lot has fallen for the preach of the word of God tonight. I pray, oh God, that it won't return void. I pray, oh God, that you would anoint me as I endeavor to deliver what you've laid upon my heart as you've talked to me. Let me be your mouthpiece tonight. God, let there be a liberty to declare, thus saith the Lord. But most importantly, let there be a liberty around these altars where hearts and lives are touched, where wounds are bound up, the broken is ministered to. And God, you are glorified. And we're going to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says amen. amen. And amen. I want us to look for a few moments at the story within the story. There's no doubt this story is uh, very familiar, Sister Paige and different ones that are working with their children, Sister Tabitha and Sunday school class and children's church. This is one of the first of many Bible stories that we teach our children about the Good Samaritan, about the, the act that, that was done. And no doubt we've, we've read this story. We've heard it many, many times before. But I, I want us to, God, just deal with my heart. I want us to look at the story within the story. I want us to look behind the scenes and, and maybe some things that we, we, we've not noticed before as we look in, in, into the story of the Good Samaritan. And first, as the story unfolds, we see this traveler. We see the traveler that the Bible tells us 
uh, was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. We're not told about his background, his pedigree. We're not told about his lineage. There were some miracles and there were some things that uh, transpired in the word of God. God was very specific on who uh, received the miracle. Lazarus's name is mentioned. Uh, different ones. Peter's mother-in-law who received miracles. Those names are, are prominent in scripture. But this man was a no-name man. We don't know his name. We know nothing about him other than he was a traveler. I believe that this man was a representation and a type of all mankind. A representation of all of us as we find ourselves on this journey called life. We find in Luke chapter number 10 verse 30 that this certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now Jerusalem was known as the city of God and it matters not in what direction you go, not physically but spiritually when you leave the house of God and you leave the place of God and you, you leave the place that represents the presence of God. It's always going to be a downward journey. The Bible says that he went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Instead of going up into the lofty heights and, and progressing, we find him, him on a downward journey. It was a long, hard, rugged, rocky path. And this particular stretch of road between Jerusalem and Jericho was referred to in this day as the bloody road because of the high rates of crime, because of the muggings, because of the, the thievery and the robbery that took place. Many who traveled alone as this man was found themselves beaten, found their, their goods had been taken from them. And as they were just traveling, trying to get from point to point, the thieves and robbers would come out from the bushes and ambush them in waiting. Amen. So as we see this man that is a representation and a type of mankind that is fleeing the presence of the Lord, walking a, a bloody and a dangerous road. The Bible says that he fell among thieves. We see the symbolism here because the Bible tells us that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I mean, this man is a representation of mankind and look at the results of what happened. The Bible says that he fell among thieves and the thieves stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. If this is not a perfect picture of the end result of sin, you won't find a better representation anywhere. These thieves found him on a bloody road walking from the presence of the Lord, robbed him, stripped him. The Bible said, uh, uh, wounded him, leaving him half dead when sin, uh, amen, it strips us of our innocence, our righteousness, our, our, our purity. It will leave men wounded and broken. It will leave men isolated and alone. And if there's not help uh, and there's no hope to be found, it will kill uh, because our adversary, uh, our thief roams around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and he's come to steal, to kill, uh, and to destroy. The story within the story. The Bible says that this man was left half dead. When the thieves were finished, this man with him threw him off in a ditch on the side of the road. And when people would walk by and look at him, they said, this man is half dead. This man is 
too far gone. This man is beyond my help. There's no hope for him. This man is bleeding. He's wounded. He's been beaten and stripped and many would look at him and say that he's too far gone and all of a sudden on this scene again, the story within the story. Here comes two men walking by. Two men that you think would have compassion on him. That you think would have compassion on the, the lost, the man that's literally dying. We know him. The Bible specifically calls him a priest and a Levite. Here are two holy individuals that had given themselves over into the worship of Jehovah. You see, it was the Levites as well as the priests that were set apart to the duties of religion. They were to offer, the priests were to offer the sacrifice at the temple and it was the, the job of the Levites to render assistance to the priests in the services. It was their job to, to get the oil ready for the incense. It was their job to, to trim the wick on the candle to make sure that the lights uh, didn't go out in the temple. It was, it was their duties to make sure that the, 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 that the temple was clean and prepared uh, and ready for worship. And so uh, if there were any individuals that you would think uh, that would have the answer for the lost uh, and the undone and the hurting, it would be the priest and the Levite. You would think two religious men that was supposed to have a connection with God that was supposed to have a, a missional heart. Uh, you, you, you would think that uh, they would look at this man and they would have compassion on him uh, and they would reach out to him in his hour of need. But the Bible says uh, that when the priest walked by, uh, he looked at him uh, and he walked on the other side of the road. Uh, the Levite, when he saw the condition, seeing uh, that he was half dead, uh, he does the same exact thing. Uh, amen. If we were to look at this, uh, there may have been practical reasons why they didn't reach out and help him. They could have been dressed uh, on the way to church. Uh, they could have had good excuse. It could have been uh, their Sunday to lead the singing. It could have been their Sunday uh, to, to uh, uh, lead the people in worship. We don't know. There might have been a perfectly fine explanation as to why uh, they did nothing. Uh, but when we look at the spiritual sense, uh, again, the story within the story, uh, amen, uh, by the priest uh, moving away from the hurting uh, and walking on the other side, that priest uh, was a type of the law of the priesthood of Aaron. Uh, amen. To show uh, that for the one that was in the ditch uh, that's been bruised and been beaten by sin, uh, the law could do absolutely nothing to help the law, that priest represented the law. All 613 laws, amen, all he could do would be to pronounce one guilty in their sin. It had no compassion. It had no mercy. It had no grace. The only thing that that law could do was pronounce judgment of guilty, guilty, guilty. And that priest representing the law, when he saw the wounded and the hurting and the man literally dying, there was nothing in him uh, that could do anything to fix uh, the situation at hand. Uh, when the Levite passed by, uh, the Levites uh, amen, it was their responsibility to get the sacrifice ready uh, to, to assist uh, with the sacrifice and the worship of the Lord. Uh, but for this man in a ditch, uh, there was not a single uh, uh, animal. Uh, there was no blood of bulls, rams, or goats uh, that was going to be able to fix uh, his situation. 
There was nothing uh, within religion. These two men represented uh, all of religion. Uh, but religion is very limited uh, when it comes uh, to the needs of the hurting uh, and the ones that are lost uh, and undone. Uh, so the priest and the Levite, they look at him, uh, which represents the law, uh, which represents sacrifice. Uh, and they were made aware uh, that there's nothing in me uh, that can do anything uh, to fix this man's problem. Uh, it's beyond me. Uh, there is no hope in me, the law. Uh, there is no hope for me and uh, animal sacrifices. Uh, religion uh, wasn't going to cut it. Uh, religion wasn't going to get the job done. This man needed something more. Thank God the story doesn't end there. Thank God the story doesn't end there with the law being weak and animal sacrifices being weak and the religiosity of the day having no answers. For the Bible says there came one, a good Samaritan that showed up. I mean, there was one that came as the story shifts and as we look at the attributes of this good Samaritan you can look at his attributes and you can look at his examples which we're going to try our best to preach about for just a few moments and you can see in every single attribute in every single example this was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ who showed up at just the right time at just the right moment at just the hour of opportunity when the need was the greatest. Aren't you thankful that when you were lying in the ditch that had been beaten and wounded and left for dead by the devil that there was a good Samaritan that the Lord Jesus Christ interjected himself into your life at just the right moment at just the right time and when religion couldn't save you when the law couldn't save you when the bulls of the blood of bulls and goats couldn't save you Jesus Christ, hallelujah, stepped on the scene and said, I have the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I can do what religion can't. I can do what dead church can't. I can resurrect and I can make new. Story within the story. Jesus, this, this good Samaritan, this type of Christ, the, 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 the Levite and the priest passed right by never lifted their finger to deal with lost humanity. But the Bible says this good Samaritan, when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. Compassion gripped him. He saw someone in need. And this good Samaritan acted when others wouldn't. He maybe looked past ideological, theological, traditional, genetical differences. To help someone that wasn't just like him. You see, Samaritans in scriptures, they were the dogs. They were the lowest of the low. The Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. And this man, the Bible doesn't come out and tell us specifically he was a Jew. But I would venture to say there's a 99.9% .9 possibility he was. And this Samaritan, when he walks by, he had been abused, been mistreated by the Jewish people by, for, for, for many, many years, maybe his whole life. But when he saw the great need, he was moved with compassion. He said, I've got to do something. I've got to minister 
to this one that is hurting. You see, if there was anything that marked the life of Jesus, it was his compassion. I, I remember uh, the, the message that Brother Eddie preached years and years ago on the great physician. And he talked about his affordability, his availability. And one of the things that he mentioned was his vulnerability. We don't like to think of Jesus having any uh, areas of vulnerability in his life. We take that as, as a weakness. But for Jesus, if there was any vulnerability in his life, it was his compassion that he had for others. You see, that was always a soft spot in his heart for those that were hurting, for those that were broken, for those that were lost and undone. In Matthew chapter number 6, when Jesus came out, uh, he saw much people and he was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep having, uh, not a shepherd. Uh, in Matthew number 9, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted uh, and were scattered abroad. Uh, in Matthew 14 and 14, Jesus went out uh, and he saw a great multitude and again he was moved with compassion for them uh, and he healed their sick. Uh, if there was anything that marked the life of Christ, as he walked this earth for 33 and a half years, it was his compassion for lost mankind. It was Jesus that said, Amen, I come not for the well, but it's the sick that need the physician. I've come to minister to the sick, to the broken, to the lost and the undone. Oh, aren't you thankful that our good Samaritan had compassion on us? Hallelujah! To reach down where we were and where we are to minister to us and our hour of greatest need this man being a type of Christ was moved with compassion Amen. I mentioned that priest of Levite very possible it was because they were on their way to church they didn't want to get their robes dirty they didn't want to get blood and dirt on their worship garments very well could have been the case we don't know but this good Samaritan wasn't concerned about any of that. He wasn't concerned about getting dirty. He wasn't concerned about getting grass stains or mud stains on his robe. He wasn't concerned about uh, how, how low he had to go to reach this man. You see, because of the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ, it matters not how bloody or how bruised we may be. Thank God it matters not how far and how low we have fallen and how filthy and how dirty our life may be marred in sin. Christ availed himself for all mankind. Amen. He was willing to go to the very ditches to reach those that can't help themselves. Amen. Come to pick us up, to carry our load and to walk with us tonight. Amen. You may feel like you're lost and undone. You may be going through something uh, and you feel like your life has been marred uh, there is a compassionate savior uh, in the house tonight uh, that knows right where you are uh, right what you're facing uh, and is able uh, to meet the very need that you brought uh, into the house of God tonight uh, I can assure you the same way he was moved uh, with compassion for him uh, he is moved with compassion for us Not only was he compassionate, but he was courageous. One of the oldest tricks in the book on this bloody road of Jerusalem was for someone, a team, 
for one to act wounded. And as soon as someone was to jump off their camel or someone was to go down in the ditch to try to help them, his buddies were in the bushes waiting to ambush him and to attack him. So for this good Samaritan, he was hazarding his own safety to try to help this man. But when he did a cost analysis, when he looked at him and he saw the condition, he threw hazard to the wind because his compassion and his courage was greater than his fears. And while everybody else looked at this man and said he's half dead, he's too far gone, he's, he's not half the man that he used to be. This good Samaritan looked at him and estimated, this man's worth saving. This man, he's worth saving. So he forgets about all the plots of the day. He had courage and meant to do what no one else would do. And then as we think of the life of Christ, if compassion wasn't a good enough mark for him, Christ, there's never been a more courageous person to ever walk this earth than the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about it. He's set safe in the safety of heaven in wall-to-wall wall, wall worship as he's there receiving worship, as he's there in the very presence of the angel with no sin, with no sickness, with no cross, with no problems. He's in the very presence of the Lord. But when there had to be a sacrifice for sin, when the animals could no longer cover man's sin. When that wasn't good enough, uh, he looked death right in the face uh, and said, Father, I'll go. I'll bear the cross. I'll bear the shame. I'll bear the ridicule. I'll let them spit on me. I'll let them beat me. I'll let them pluck my beard. I'll let them strip me of my raiment. I'll let them mock me. I'll let them beat me. I'll do it all for the greater glory of God to restore a lost and die in humanity back unto you folks. If that's not courage, then courage can't be found. He looked death right in the eyes. Amen. And fought the fight. Amen. To the very last second. But we find there that even when he gave up the ghost and he breathed his life, Last, the death couldn't hold him. The tomb couldn't conceal him. Amen. Courageous and everything. Courage won out as he got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Passionate. Courage marked him. Lastly, we see the attributes of this good Samaritan, which leads us to know it's a type of Christ. His level of commitment. That he had to this man. We can read all of the things that he did for him. But when he obligated himself. When he committed himself to this man. He committed himself for life. We'll see why in just a minute. But when we see Christ. When he had the compassion and the courage. To step out of the portals of glory. To be born of a virgin and live this life. Folks, he was committed. In the garden of Gethsemane, when he prayed the prayer, Father, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will. Thy will be done. That was commitment. 
when he was hanging on the cross. They said, call for 10,000 angels. Let him get, if he wanted a door to escape the suffering and the pain, there it was right there. But he committed himself to the cross. Hallelujah. He committed himself all the way through. You see, this, this good Samaritan, every attribute that he had, it's the same attribute that the Lord Jesus Christ had for us. So as we look at not just his attributes, let's look at his great example. The great example of our good Samaritan. The first thing that he did when he reached down to this man We've already mentioned the type of all of humanity, humankind, lost in a ditch, seeing as Rob left for dead. Many looked at, us, looked at him and said, there's no hope. But when he committed himself to him, he saw the need. He went to where he was. And the Bible says in verse number 34 of Luke 10, he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Thank God. If there's anything that our good Samaritan, our Lord specializes in, is binding the wounds of the broken. You see, it was Psalms 147 verse 3 that says, He healeth the broken in heart, and he bindeth up their wounds. In this particular story, we know that oil and wine had served as medicinal purposes. They didn't have neosporin or uh, uh, different types of uh, medications. They couldn't just run to CVS or Walgreens and find uh, some type of antiseptic to put on the wound. And they didn't have uh, Band-Aids. And they didn't have uh, uh, modern conveniences that, that we have. But they, they, they had to use what they had at their disposal. And uh, he had at his disposal oil and wine. Uh, and these two things are known uh, as the world's first antiseptic. Because... You see, when these would be poured in, they would act as an agent to clean the wound. If there was any dirt, if there was any, uh, anything in there that would lead to infection, that, uh, the, that the, the wine would clean that wound. It would wash out anything that was bad that would lead to infection. And the oil would soothe the wound. And it would help uh, to uh, the, the healing process. It would uh, speed up the healing process with the skin. And he would take that, that linen. And after he poured in the oil and the wine, he would bandage it up to keep uh, uh, outside agents out that, that shouldn't have been in there. No, uh, it may not be the prescription strength that things that we have today, but it was good enough to get the job done. Uh, we know physically, uh, amen, that is what they had. Uh, but I believe there is far greater spiritual significance uh, to this man pouring in oil and wine because we know uh, that those are two types uh, of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You see, uh, when we are broken and wounded, uh, amen, there is no treatment better than the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. There's nothing uh, that can fix you like the Holy Ghost can. Uh, the Holy Ghost can do, uh, amen, what nothing else can do. He is good for whatever uh, is wrong in your life. Uh, amen, you may be wounded in, that, in the house tonight. Uh, I can tell you, uh, amen, you don't need uh, anything in life other than uh, a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Himself. 
stepping out, amen, stepping into your life and binding the wounds of the broken. He can fix whatever's wrong. He can soothe whatever, amen, is cut on you, whatever has left the damage. The Holy Ghost can do, amen, what no one else can do. This good Samaritan poured in the oil and the wine. It seems like there are so many people that have been wounded in this hour. I can tell you the answer is still the oil and the answer is still the wine. The answer is still the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It's the age-old message. Amen. Nothing. We don't need to try to improve upon what we can do. We just need to take the restraints off of him and allow him to do what he wants to do. Hallelujah. He can fix whatever's wrong. Amen. You see, the oil and the wine of the Holy Ghost is able to fix physical wounds. It's able to fix emotional wounds. Those wounds that nobody else sees and nobody else knows about. You see, whoever... Coin, that phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That man was a liar. That man was wrong. Because sometimes words can hurt you more than a knife does. The wounds of those that we love. Sometimes things happen, they leave us wounded, they leave us broken. What's the answer for that? The Holy Ghost is the answer for that. The Holy Ghost is the answer for that. In this hour, not only is he able to fix emotional hurt, he's able to fix spiritual hurt. You know, help me right here, Lord. You know, I've never in my life heard more people complain about church hurt than what I've heard in the last year. And most of the church hurt that they describe, for most of it, is nothing more than seeking attention and getting their feelings hurt. They want to blame things. They get mad over something and they want to blame the church. The church hasn't ever hurt anybody. People in the church may hurt you, but don't get mad and fall out of church because of what somebody else says or does. Oh, come on now. And I ain't here to meddle. I'm just here to preach to you tonight. You want to know what the answer for church hurt is? For those that the legitimate cases out there, the Holy Ghost still fixes church hurt. Too many times we leave before we let the Holy Ghost have a chance to fix it and have a chance to do His work. Amen. So whatever your wound may be tonight, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, there's absolutely nothing tonight that you were facing. 
Amen. That the oil and the wine of the Holy Ghost cannot fix in your life. There is no wound that he's ever found that he can't soothe. There is no wound that's been too deep for him to, my God, for him to heal. There is no wound that's been too great for him. But if he was able to reach a, a, a man that was lost in a ditch, half dead, he's able to fix whatever problem you and I may have in this life. The Holy Ghost is still the answer. We see this good Samaritan is a great example. Not only did he pour in oil and wine, but the Bible says in verse 34, he went to him, bound his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he sat him on his own beast. I want you to think about this for just a minute. He had a donkey or a camel. We really don't know. But this good Samaritan went down in the ditch where he was to set him up on his beast. He had to reach down and pick him up and lift him up, set him on his own beast. He exchanged his own comfort for the one that was hurting. Think about what he did. He picked him up. He lifted him up, placed him on his own beast, carried his burden and load and he walked beside him and guided him, amen, to a place of safety. You know, in this hour, too many people are looking for handouts. And in this hour, many ministries, I've said it before and I'll say it again, are, are giving out too many handouts. What we need to be given are hands up to lift people up from where they are. You see, we've got a generation that we've raised that are dependent on the government for handouts. You don't want to work, you don't have to work. You'll get an unemployment check. And, uh, Uncle Joe, he's just going to keep stuff running on in. Well, it's going to run out eventually. And you're going to be in a world of hurt. But it's sad that a lot of times that philosophy is so it goes in the world, it goes in the church. Many are just looking for handouts. Listen, the world does not need a handout. They need a hand up. They need to be lifted up out of the ditch where they are. They need to be picked up from where they are and carried to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ to where he can pour in the oil and the wine and he can fix what is wrong in their life. We see the great invitation of the Lord in Matthew chapter number 11 verse 28 when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will pick you up from where you are. I'll reach down in the ditch where you are, pick you up, lift you up, and I'm going to see you through. Through. This is the invitation. Take my yoke upon me, you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He got in the yoke with this man. Amen. He removed the yoke that he was carrying. He said, I'm with you today, buddy. Amen. We're going to get through this thing. I'm not going to leave you in the ditch. I'm not going to leave you abandoned or forsaken. I'm not going to leave you to the elements of the world with no hope but I'm here with you I'm going to pick you up I'm going to carry you and we're going to get through this thank God he didn't leave me where I was thank God he didn't leave you where you were but he got in the yoke with us and we can truly see that his yoke is easy and his burden is light Amen. 
Gotta hurry. His great examples. He lifted him up. He carried his burdens. Listen, there's been times where I've experienced burdens. It's been too great for me to bear. There's been times where I found myself at an altar. God, I can't carry this anymore. I've got you. I've got to have your help. And I've been able to roll that burden off of my shoulders. And he's carried it for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Not only do we see that he lifted him up, picked him up, he exchanged his own comfort for the comfort of this man. The same way Christ exchanged his comfort so that we could be reconciled back to the Father by his blood on Calvary. He also provided safety and shelter for this man. For the Bible says in 10 verse 34 again, he brought him to an end. I don't have time to get into all the Greek tonight with this. And, but in the, the story of the birth of Jesus, we know that Mary and Joseph, they go to Bethlehem and the Bible says that there was no room for them in an inn. That inn there is like what we would have at uh, a hotel to where you would, uh, it would be a place of um, multi rooms that was built just for travelers. It would be a place where you could go in and you could pay for a night, two or three stay. But this word in, it has a, a different connotation. And it's the Greek word K-H-A-N. And it, the, the, the best way to describe this is literally like an Airbnb. To where if somebody had an extra room in their house that was not being filled. If they had a three bedroom house and only two were being occupied, then they would put up a sign out in the front yard and they would say in or room for rent. And this would be like a a bed and breakfast type deal. And the name of it, I can't pronounce it in the Greek. I I would, would butcher it if I tried. I can't even speak proper English. But the translation and the definition of this word in, in the Greek, it literally means we receive all. Meaning, the hotel down the road, they may be at max capacity, but we've got an extra room just for you. And it don't matter where you've been. It don't matter where you're going. There's room at my house for you. You see, the story within the story. Amen. Jesus took him to this place. Amen. A place that would welcome him, a place uh, whose message was literally, we receive all. Aren't you thankful that we found a place that receives all? Red or yellow, black or white. It doesn't matter what you've been. It doesn't matter what you're coming from. There's room at the cross for you. There's never been a person that come to Christ wholeheartedly and in sincerity that hadn't found room at the end. There's never been a person that's reached out to him and said, Lord, I need safety. I need shelter that's been turned away like they can at other places. But in God's kingdom, in the kingdom of God, there is yet room for all and there is yet room for more we receive all Jesus said I know of a place that we're going to go and it's going to be a place of safety 
and refuge. And what happened to you today? You don't ever have to worry about it happening to you there. As long as you stay in this place, hallelujah, as long as you're here, it's going to be a place of safety. It's going to be a place of rest. But I can tell you, folk, I found that place of safety. I found that place of rest. In the book of Psalms, David described it as the secret place. Amen. Under his wing, under his secret pavilion, there's rest from the elements of this world. Amen. There's security. Amen. To where we can run to the rock that is higher than I. And then David said it's a, a fortress. It's a safe place. That fortress is a word that means, means it cannot be penetrated. It cannot be uh, attacked and conquered. Amen. We might have, still have to fight the war, but as long as we're in Christ, we're going to win this war. Amen. There's safety in him. And we see what Christ did for him. We see what this good Samaritan did. Brought him to this place of safety and shelter, which means we received all. In Luke 10, verse 35, on the morrow when he departed, the Bible says he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. These two pence are likely two denarii that he gave to the innkeeper. And the commentary that I read was that this was enough to provide for this man shelter, food, a place of lodging for two to three weeks. You see, when I told you he was committed to this man, it wasn't a superficial commitment. It cost him something to take care of him. It cost him something to see this thing through. He pulled out money out of his pocket, gave him two pence, and said, this is good for two to three weeks. You take care of this man. You nurse him back to health. And oh, by the way, if it costs anything more, when I come back through, I'm going to pick up the tab. I'm going to take care of him. He spared no expense in restoring this man that had fallen. Spared no expense. He said, whatever it cost, my name is good for it. Whatever it cost, I'm good for it. I'm going to take care of him. I am going to see it through. You see, Christ paid a debt on Calvary that he didn't know because I owed a debt that I could not pay. He died in my place. He took my place, paid and purchased my redemption and my freedom so that the fallen sons of man could be made righteous and holy back into the Father. Amen. This good Samaritan paid his debt the same way that Christ paid my debt. And having our blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, took us out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Every IOU that we had with the devil Jesus nailed it on the cross. All the ordinances and the handwritings that were contrary to usward, he nailed it to his cross. 
He spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You see, every single one of us had a price tag of life. Sin. Amen. We were in debt up to our eyeballs. There was no way that we could purchase our freedom and get out of that. But Jesus did it for us. And he paid our debt so that you and I could go free. In this story, Kirsten, if you'll come help me, I'm done. The story within the story. We see the Good Samaritans. Great example. The fact of the matter is, is what he did for this man. He's still willing to do to any man that will call on his name. Saved or sinner. Amen. A sinner, you might be here tonight. A sinner, you might be watching my way of live stream. Your life is wrecked in sin. There's a good Samaritan who's representative of the Lord Jesus Christ that can go to your living room, your bedroom, wherever you may be. He's come to Bible Way Assembly tonight. He can bind up the wounds of the broken. He can pour in the oil and the wine of the Spirit. He can lift you up out of the ditch of, uh, of sin that you're in. He can carry your burden. He can lead you to a place of safety. And he'll pay the debt that you owe so that you can walk in freedom. That sounds like a great bargain to me to exchange my dirty, rotten, filthy life stripped in sin for the goodness and the mercy and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the sinner, that's your invitation tonight to the saint. We talked about those wounds. I've never seen so many wounds as you we can see and hear about right now. Every day it's something else. There may be wounds that you're carrying tonight. And no, you're not stuck in a ditch. But it does still, it feels like you're stuck in the journey of life. You're hurt, you're wounded, you can't get past the place that you're in. The Holy Ghost is still right for whatever's wrong. The Holy Ghost is still able to be poured into that. If that situation don't heal, it's going to fester. It's going to lead to infection. And it'll kill just as bad as sin will. I got one amen. Thank you, brother. That hurt. Once bitterness gets in, gangrene sets in, you're not long for this world. You'll be a casualty on the journey if you don't get healed for it. You don't let the master pour in oil and wine and buy the wound. But I've got good news. There's healing in the house tonight. Because the healer's in the house tonight. Jesus is here. The Holy Ghost is here. And as long as they're here, amen, the answer that you're seeking ain't very far away. Amen. But I believe in this altar tonight. I didn't preach very long. Because I wanted to give us plenty of time to pray. Amen. Wounds. Jesus not only come for the sinner, but for the saint that may be wounded. He sees you. He's come to pick you up. He's come to roll the burden off of your shoulders onto his. He's here to bind up the broken. He's here to carry you back to the place of safety. He's here to redeem and to purchase and to make right that which is wrong. That's both ends of the spectrum. That's saint and sinner. That's 100% in the house tonight. 
an altar call that hits everybody. There it is. Wherever you are on the journey, there's healing in the house tonight. If we'll allow the good Samaritan, if we'll allow Christ to do the work, if we'll allow his great example to be a great reality in us, amen, our lives will be forever changed. Amen, by the power of his touch. How many of you will meet me in this altar tonight? You hear your laws? Meet us here. Amen, you lost live stream. Hit your knees right where you are. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent, turn. He'll meet you where you are. Do a work that only he can do. You hear your wounded. God sees the wound. He knows right what, what's going on. He knows how to fix it. Nobody can touch you like Jesus can. Amen, there's no soothing bomb like the bomb of oil and wine of the Holy Ghost. To fix what's wrong. Amen. Meet us here. Call upon his name. Let him touch you tonight. Hallelujah.